Guess who's back? Back again. Off the Mike post, and Joe are back. Off the post. Do, do, do. Oh. Off the post. Off the post. Off oh, the post. we want to put out a call to our listeners. If any of you are musically inclined and you want to make like a little intro or outro little jingle jams for us, let us know. We will love you forever. If yeah. you do it, we want to. We want. We want some fun hooks and. Stuff. I didn't know that we were putting that out to the public. Well, I made an executive decision. You, you absolutely did make an executive without decision. Without me, this if you were running the show alone, it would be on the bottom of the Hudson right now. You're probably correct. I don't think I could have gotten it to the Hudson to put to the bottom of the Hudson. All right, we have a doozy of a Q and A show a for doozy. you today. Um, with which no Mike preparation, is, as per usual. No, that's. I think it's better when we don't prepare because we should be somewhat surprised, right? Like, is that sure. an insane thing? Well, All that's right, here the fun we go. thing about... Yeah, okay. Go ahead. No, say what the fun thing no, is. No, you know what? I was going to say, you look really nice today. Well, Stanley's over there freaking out right now. Just an absolute freak out. I told you to out. send me pictures of Stanley this morning and you didn't do it. You, you did. Well, he doesn't. he's not feeling photogenic today. He's just... He's over there. He's laying down on his, his little bed. He's having some fun. He's scratching away at it because he's an animal. What's the... What's what's the stupidest thing that Stanley's ever eaten? Oh, Stanley's actually good. He doesn't eat a ton of like shit. I'll tell you the stupidest thing he's ever done though. Uh, it was last year, I think, and it was like as cold as it is now. Mm-hmm. It was like bitterly cold, um, and he went outside to go to the bathroom, and. He, like, was coming back in after he peed, and it was so cold that he was freezing. He was, like, lifting his paws up because he couldn't walk that he decided he just laid down in the snow because he didn't know what to do because it was so cold. (laughs) And me, without shoes on, had to run out and get him and drag him back into the house. And he he was three feet from the door to safety and warmth, and he would have died outside in the cold, frozen. Doesn't it boggle your mind that those were wolves? Every yeah, well, exactly. Like at some point, he was well. Wolf. He he would not have been a good wolf. That's all. He just he would have been a bad wolf. Um, he's a good Stanley, though. He's a, he's the best Stanley. All right, question time. Josh Zarkin, when are we getting a BSB live stream of a Rangers game? I don't know. Yeah. If, well, I don't know if we can anymore because we don't. We use TriCaster as our recording software, and it is not prepared for live programming. Um, we used to be on Blog Talk Radio, and hoof, the sound quality was awful. And then we moved to Spreaker, whose sound quality was also awful. Then we went to TriCaster, obviously, and now we're actually in the Fox Network. We're not on Spreaker at all. So never? Is that a terrible we thing can to do, say? We should do, like, a last game of the season, do, like, a commentary track. We could. People can rewatch it and torture themselves. There are occasions where we're doing the show, like we're recording when the Rangers are playing, and you can hear our reactions then. Yeah, it happens. Maybe that's why the the people want it, Joe. uh, It's maybe we're that good, Mike, and we just haven't we haven't realized it. Larry Bubbs, would it be a disappointment if the New York Rangers did not get a high end NHL ready talent at the deadline or some point this off season? Feels like a lot of what they recently have acquired are lottery tickets. Um, I'll take this one first. Go ahead. It's, this is a big question, Larry, because I've been thinking about this a lot. Where Penis. It comes down to, like, if you get a draft pick, when is that kid going to be NHL ready? Especially if he's not a top five pick. You could be waiting three or four years, which when we talk about this rebuild, that doesn't necessarily line up the way we want it to. Like, we don't necessarily want 
another Brett Howden three years from now. What we what we'd like is another guy who's young and can make the jump, a guy who can make an impact. Which is why, um, I think it's in Gordon's best interest to definitely keep draft picks in mind because you want picks, but finding the right prospects is far more important. And especially after you know, it's still super duper 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 early, but the kind of modest returns on Libor Hayek when he was someone who was so trumped up within the organization is definitely something that is a little concerning. Brett Howden is more of a success story, but again, that's definitely a flawed uh, a flawed gemstone if ever there was. And, you know, we saw our first bit of hockey from uh, Ryan Lindgren, and that was fun, but it's also very clear that his game is still very raw. And again, that's perfectly fine. He's a kid. So I think it would be a pretty big disappointment uh, Larry, if they didn't get a prospect who's right there on the fringe, like a guy who's just been maybe his first or second year in the AHL and he's kicking ass and, you know, maybe his ceiling is only as like a second line uh, winger or center, but most likely a winger if it's the Rangers. And I'd be really comfortable getting a guy like that over even something like, you know, an early second round pick just because we know we know the math behind how hard it is to get those NHL players after that top 10 or 15 picks, right, Joe? It's just, it's a stretch. You, you have to get lucky and go late in the draft, and oftentimes you have to pick for talent over, like, something that's a safer pick, which is what the Rangers did with Keandre Miller, and it's looking brilliant, but that's also super early. Yeah, it's um, it's funny because I would tell you right now that I would be, if the Rangers traded Kreider without getting one of those players, I think it's a disaster. Um, if the Rangers trade Hayes without getting one of those players, I think it's an enormous disappointment. But again, it all depends on the package. Um, I would have told you that Hayes would have been the team's best chance to get a player like that, but really McDonough was. And a year ago, when the Rangers got Hayek and Howden, I think we all kind of looked at each other and uh, we thought, hey, Hayek is probably the more NHL-ready of the two, and, and that has certainly not been the case. So, like Mike said, it's, it's less of a guessing game when you're getting another team's prospect that is developed for a year and you can make your own kind of analysis and you can see the growth patterns and you can figure it out. I think if you're going to trade Hayes, like if you trade Hayes to the Edmonton Oilers and you get their first round pick, I think that's a fantastic trade because their pick could be anything. It could be anything. It it could be a single digit pick. It could be a top five pick. Um, Maybe it's at 11. You don't know. But it's just... Yeah, I think you could say you could be disappointed with Zuccarello, with Hayes, if if you do move Kreider. But actually, let me rephrase that. If they trade Kreider, absolutely. If they trade mm-hmm. Hayes, yes. Zuccarello, not so much. Nemestikov, obviously not. And then it kind of it falls down the line from there. So, yeah, I think that's definitely something that the Rangers should well, be look looking at, at. Look at the crop we got last deadline. Right? The crop? We had Howden, we had Hayek, we had Lindgren, and Rikov. And we're still waiting to figure out if Rikov's like an egg that's going to hatch, and that's okay. Uh, but he's doing relatively well in the KHL, especially because he's playing against men and he's a young guy. And after that, it's okay. It feels like we got an NHL player in Howden. Um, it, it, the jury's still out on Hayek, and the jury's still out on Lindgren. But it's when you get those guys, again... I, I keep repeating this phrase, but it's important. They have to be the right prospects. Like, you ha- you can't take the prospects that the other teams are willing to deal, which makes it so tricky to acquire them. You have to be like, listen, you want to win now. We're going to give you this forward, whether it's Zuccarello or Kreider or Hayes or whoever the hell. That means we want 
a prospect that's worth our time. It doesn't have to be your top prospect, but it has to be someone who can make an impact sooner rather than later. Not a guy who might be ready this season, but next season is a guy who would be competing for a spot on your lineup. Yeah, and as an example, Martin Kaut, who we talked short, about on the flagship yeah. show. It's a short a short shopping list, admittedly, but those are the guys you want to target if you're Gorton because you want... You're not trying to rush the rebuild, obviously, but you do want to try and find the guys who can help answer some of your problems, and you can evaluate those guys sooner rather than later. And the Rangers, the bottom line is they need more young guys in the system. There's just not enough homegrown talent here, and you know if you can kind of pluck a little bit from the other teams, that's great. It'll be great to see them kind of you know bolster what's there in Hartford because as you know it's the first year of the rebuild so what we've seen in Hartford this year Joe has not been very encouraging and that's not altogether surprising so yeah it's it's uh need more kids more blood and it might as well get them in good prospects over picks yeah no Hartford wasn't gonna be fixed overnight but no 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 it, it is what it is Anthony is- Del Gianti Play general manager and talk us through each step on how you go about fixing the D. You're in charge and say there has no say in what you do. Go. This is a little bit of a loaded question. Um, I think the the it, it, it requires. It's hard to answer this because there's a ton of what ifs. Like if I can try to if I can find a trading partner for Smith, you do that, right? Like you get rid of that. If you can find one for Stall, you do that. Obviously, assuming you don't have one for Stall, which I think is logical. You know, you have to eat a little bit of salary on Smith. I think the Rangers have two contracts that they're getting salary relief on right now, um, so they can only do one more. That's a factor because if you're going to eat salary of Hayes or Zuccarello or Kreider in a trade, you know, you want that as a sweetener rather than doing it to get rid of a marginal talent. Um, I think you need to kind of let things breathe. I would have spent an enormous amount of time this year, these these 48 games, looking at D'Angelo and Pionk. We got a good look at Pionk. We kind of know what he is. Um, we don't have as good of a look on D'Angelo. So I, I don't think I'm going to do the, the deep dive into free agency. I think if there's a trade out there that makes sense, if you can get a guy like Truba for whatever reason, or you, know, you make one of those deals, great. Otherwise, I think you kind of need to let the Rangers defense sort of sort itself out naturally. No, Mike? Because there's not a ton of NHL-ready talent this year, but there might be next year. If I'm GM? Yes, you're GM. All right. The first you're GM. Question, yeah, so the first question I, I ask is, is is this scenario with Friedrich Clayson healthy or not? Well, we're talking about, so I would re-sign Clayson as well, and that's All a right, next I, year I, thing. I see what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so here's what I would do. I would uh, move forward with the understanding that I'm going to buy out Mark Stahl, and the reason I would do that is because the Rangers have more cap space than they really need and it won't really hinder them as far as I'm aware in terms of pursuing a Panarin or a Stone or another big ticket guy to accelerate the rebuild if that's the route I want to take but only if it's reasonable and only if it's actually there I'm not going to overpay so if you do that with Stahl he's going to carry uh, this upcoming season he have a 2.9 hit on the cap the year after that uh, 2020-21, which also might be a lockout situation, is 3.7 on the cap. And the next two years after that is 1.2 on the cap. And the reason I would settle on getting rid of stall is because I can't in any way make anything of Brendan Smith until I give him an opportunity. And if I buy out stall, there's a spot for Brendan Smith to be in the lineup where he's not punished and treated like he's a rookie and a younger player. And if after next season, if Brendan Smith's a nightmare, 
then I figure out to either bury him or, you know, move on from well, there. I think you only got one more year at that point, right? Yeah, like if he's a disaster next year, you only have one more year. That's And the other thing is he is a veteran guy. He's a guy who was representing the Rangers to, with the NHLPA. And so he d- clearly has characteristics where he's a good locker room guy. You know, he's, he was around Detroit, which is a very good hockey organization. He's been with the Rangers. I, I see him as like, he doesn't by by no stretch does he make Mark Stahl redundant because you know Mark Stahl is actually climbing up like the top ten list of most games played as a Ranger, believe it or not. But and it's a little unceremonious to part ways with Stahl. But if you want to deal with the defense, Stahl is like the second thing on the list. The first thing I think is finding a new coach for that defense because I think Lindy Ruff is yeah that's welcome. A- critical aspect um and i feel like if you move one of these guys like get rid of adam quaid for whatever you can if you can only get a fourth round pick back from uh you take it on the chin and you admit that or you made a mistake earlier in the year hopefully you, he can bring back a little bit more than that maybe a fourth round pick and like a long shot prospect that a team has given up on and from there you know if if there's still something of like a like a log jam i would even look at you know, Pion can go through waivers without punishment. I would say, like, all right, Neil, we're we've kind of seen what we need to see of you from the one-dimensional aspect. Like, maybe let's move you down to Hartford, let you work on your defensive game, and give another guy a shot. And I know that's a little bit controversial, but I feel like we've learned a lot about Neil Pionk uh, this season. And you know, he's been out of the lineup lately, and it's made it clear, like, in many ways, the decisions that have been made around Pionk have hindered the Rangers because if Shattenkirk was never, you know, kind of put in the doghouse, his trade value would be so much higher now. And if you could trade Shattenkirk for a return, Joe, that's another way you could fix his defense is getting some more young blood back in a Shattenkirk trade. So yeah, yeah I would you make know pretty, a team like Edmonton I would make is pretty looking, dramatic moves. Um, you, you know a team like answer. Edmonton is looking for a guy like Shattenkirk. I think a bunch of playoff teams would be too. And it, 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 again, it's about kind of cleaning the slate a little bit with the defense. And it's just, it's not an easy fix. You got to shake the edge of sketch, folks. I, yeah, you got to shake it a little bit. Phil, banter Phil. I love this question. Oh, if so. you drank two five-hour energy drinks back-to-back, would you have 10 hours of energy or five hours of double energy? Five hours of double. I completely 1 million percent agree. Because the the chemicals in it is just that's what it, it's not like it the first five hour energy goes into your system and it's like running around and the second five hour energy is just like ah wait a minute I gotta wait till he's done they're both fucking running at the same time I've never had a five hour energy before I don't like Red Bull I don't my brother in law loves like Monster Energy drinks he drinks them all the time I, I have it. absolutely no desire for any of that shit in my body um, to drink two of them at once just seems insane doesn't it. That's a lot. I it just seems it. insane. It seems absolutely nuts. No. That's it's a great like question, Phil. But two, I, it's, two invincibility stars in Super Mario. To, right. You don't... You, they do the same thing it's just excessive. on top of one another. Yeah, it's you're wasting you one of the stars. You, you, you're wasting... Well, in this case, I don't know if you are. You're just... Just the body is being poisoned. Oliver Northfield. Hi, Joe. Notice how it's only to Joe. I love your podcast. It introduced me to hockey, and I haven't stopped listening since the ill-fated Ottawa series. A question I don't think you've answered before. Are there any teams like Edmonton that are on the outside looking in when it comes to wildcard spots that are likely to be buyers at the deadline? Could the Rangers potentially get a haul from one of these teams, and what could said haul look like? So, Edmonton... Go ahead. I was going to say, outside looking in. So the teams that are right outside the wildcard, Joe. In the East, 
in the wild card, we got Montreal, we got Pittsburgh. Right outside is Buffalo, and Carolina is a little further out. They're seven points out of the wild card. In the West, Joe, we got Dallas and Vancouver in the wild card spots, and the teams that are within striking Rangers a lot more. We got Minnesota, we got Anaheim, we got Edmonton, and Arizona's only four points out. The Blues are only five points out. So it's a lot yeah, tighter Ed- in the West. Edmonton feels like the only team that would make a Kevin Hayes-esque deal right now outside of the playoffs because, again, it, it does feel like Peter Shirelli is, coach- is general managing for his job. Yeah, um, he needs postseason success. Like we talked about before that happens. on the flagship show, I think that Kreider opens up a little bit more doors because those teams that Mike are mentioning that kind of are on the outside looking in could theoretically they could defend a, an acquisition of a guy like Kreider where they can get Kreider right now and they can have him for next year if things don't go well. Outside of that, I mean, maybe a Zuccarello trade to one of those teams if they think that that's all they're missing. Um, maybe Nemestikov. I mean, McQuaid, I guess, could go to one of those teams if they think he's, you know what I mean? But you're not talking about a deal of a Hayes magnitude or a Kreider magnitude or even maybe even a Zuccarello magnitude um, unless you're talking about Edmonton because they really feel like they're the only team that would be foolish enough to kind of jump into that water, if you will, without knowing what the the long-term consequences are because it's never a good thing ever to have a guy general manage with full, like, no questions asked um, Mm. while his, his ass is on the hot seat. I feel Andrew, like it's, it's tough. Uh, oh, you didn't even let me answer. It. I thought you did answer first. Oh, you no. just named the wild card teams. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. You're a, you're bad to be fair, though, Oliver only asked me the question, so that is fair. He only addressed you directly. Yes, uh, that's correct. I was, I was going to say it's, you know, a lot of these teams who are on the bubble, like Anaheim's problems. Like I watched them play in person um, last week, and like they had three goals on 14 shots against the Devils and they're a team that cannot stay healthy they're a team that's been banged up all year uh, a team like Carolina like Michael Furland is a guy who is getting a lot of talk right now because apparently he wants like Tom Wilson money if not more um, which is a little little batshit crazy and there's been a lot of talk about what might happen with Dougie Hamilton too um, so I feel like in many ways Carolina could go either way but I feel like it's given what their organization is like and the realities of their finances, I feel like they'd sooner be sellers than buyers um, and trust that they have a young group that will get there next year uh, as opposed to this year because obviously what happened with their goaltending situation was, uh, you know, it was a garbage fire. Uh, I There's definitely more suitors in the West, which is fine for the Rangers. It, it's, it's not bad news by any stretch, but the, we do have to like inquire like the Oilers feel like a great fit right and there are other teams where there's very few teams where Kevin Hayes won't improve their top six forwards is like the bottom line the same can be said of Kreider and Zuccarello so that there's plenty of suitors it just is a matter of what they're willing to give and whether or not they value those players more the best situation the best scenario is a bidding war and the good news is the race is so tight in the west that it kind of kind of helps foster that environment joe is that teams right are, they're going to be looking especially someone like a like a chirelli he's going to be saying I, I need to get into the playoffs i need to punch a ticket to the playoffs and i'll sell some futures we don't know what we're doing with pull so i'll figure something out and that's good and news. you you could get a situation where you know minnesota and anaheim are only 
one point out. Edmonton's two point or three points out. Arizona's four points out. Depending on what you get for those wild card spots, you could get this sort of Minnesota goes after. And I'm just again using these teams as an example. Maybe Vancouver, who's in a playoff spot, um, goes after Hayes to shore everything up. And then Anaheim says, "Okay, fuck you. We're going to go after Kreider because." You know, we need to, right, we need to, it's, it becomes an arms race. And that's exactly what the Rangers want. Yeah, the bidding war is, the bidding war is what to hope for. You you want close races in the West and East with the Rangers just completely saying, we know Winnipeg at the top of the Central. They want Hayes and then Nashville wants Zuccarello because they're right behind him and they're trying to chase him. It's perfect. There's a, exactly. There really is a lot of good opportunity there. I think the, the fact that it's a buyer's market has kind of been overblown, if we're being completely honest. Andrew Metric, does a big trade days or weeks before the deadline increase the return for other trades? Um, the market really dictates that question because and if it if, depends on what that trade does to the market. Right. If Hayes gets traded tomorrow, or let, let me put it to you this way here's what would make it better. If Duchesne signs that contract extension with Ottawa, you lose a center that would be a competitor to Hayes on the market. Now there's really just Hayes, and you know Strom, I guess, would be considered the elite of the rentals, but it, it remains to be seen what Ottawa's going to do with him. Now you have one center on the market of Hayes' magnitude, and it's Kevin Hayes. That increases the return for Kevin Hayes. Um, if Hayes gets traded, and then all of a sudden, you know, Winnipeg loses a center, and they desperately need somebody, maybe they pay through the roof for Duchesne. I don't know. But that it's not so much... Oh, you know, Matt Zuccarello just got traded. Now Kevin Hayes is going to be worth double. It's more if there's only one center that's really out there that teams can go after, then there's really one center that teams out there can go after. And right now there's two. It looks like Duchesne and Ottawa are kind of in the finalized stages of uh, the finalized stages of that contract extension. And, you know. We'll see what happens. I think it's good for the Rangers if that gets done. I think it's better that it gets done sooner rather than later. But again, the Rangers are going to kind of determine their own value here. So I wouldn't wait on or bet on the market to do anything like that. Michael, is there anything you would like to add to this? Nope, just wait for the right deal. If the right deal is not there, say thanks for the offer and we'll wait until the deadline. But the Rangers do, they can't catch themselves in a Tavares situation with Kevin Hayes. Um, I always get this name wrong. Fischl Jesus? FJ. FJ. FEJ. How in the world do there people who actually watch hockey who think Hank is not one of the greats? Also, why do people talk about Hayes being better than Zabanajad? Um, to answer your first question, they're crab people. There are people who are annoyed that Henrik Lundqvist makes as much as he makes, and these are the same fucking morons, and I don't use that term lightly. Joe, that's not nice. Who don't, like, they're going to be the people who are going to be watching games in five years with a, if Shostyorkin is a good goalie, there's going to be an enormous drop-off, and they're just going to be like, well, what the fuck? And that's exactly what it is. Like, you're looking at greatness, and you're not even good enough to care. He's, I... uh I don't feel like it's Brian Leach was a was a brilliant ranger. Roger Bear was a brilliant ranger. Uh, Messier, even though it w- wasn't with the organization as long as those guys, brilliant ranger. Henrik Lundqvist is the greatest ranger who's ever played for the team. Um, that even if you include like oh what it, what it is cap hit limit or whatever, you pay that price. If you want greatness, you pay for it, and that's what the Rangers did. Henrik Lundqvist has never been the problem with this team. 
He's the most competitive guy in the world. He's going up the all-time wins charts, and it's... I don't... Even at this age, he's still one of the top 10 goalies in the league, really. And that's and that's behind this defense, and that speaks volumes. I, I don't know... He's a picture of consistency, which is it, all you want out of a goalie. I, I understand the people who are frustrated who want... People want scapegoats, and it does get tired to always pick the coach and I feel like that's one of the reasons why Rick Nash unfortunately why you know he had to circle the wagons around Nash because people were going after him um but it's it, buttholes L- were going after him but with Lundquist I understand it's very hard when let's say on the rare occasion where he has a softy goal but it's very hard to appreciate that all he can try to do is keep his team in games because if Henrik Lundqvist has a brilliant game and his offense doesn't score a goal, he's going to lose. And that's what the stat will be at the end of the day, that Henrik Lundqvist lost a game. And the numbers that he's put up, despite playing behind the defense he's played for the better part of a decade, is 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 insane. He's, In my opinion, he's the best goalie we've seen in the NHL, especially if we weight the performance in the modern, modern age, the modern era of hockey. Um, I don't know. I, I really don't. I mean, I, he's right up there with Hasek and, and Wa for me. He's that good. He's been, and it's been kind of uh, special to see him still stay this good as he gets older. And for the f- people who don't think he's good and the Rangers fans, you know, just let them think what they're going to think. It's not going to affect you or affect his legacy in any way. It's, no, not at all. And that's, an that's the other thing. Like, I think so much going of, in the rafters. That's all you need to know. So much of Lundqvist's legacy is just kind of wrapped around this like you you just forget the games where he stands on his head and the Rangers win because it happens so often. You yeah, take for granted the things that he does. Yeah. Right. And, and it is absolutely not. And if you've spent the better part of the last three or four years shitting all over Henrik Lundqvist and complaining about everything and calling him Lund Swiss and whatever else you want to do, you're just you're laughing in the face of greatness and you you know, you didn't deserve to enjoy him anyway. Honest to God. That's the truth of the matter. I mean, is the people who think Connor McDavid sucks because the Oilers can't get out of the, the shithole they're in. I mean, it's still early in McDavid's career, but is it really that different? I mean, the, the all the crap that McDavid takes uh, because, oh, he took all that money and he's going to hurt his team. He's worth every cent. Yeah. Just like Lundquist is worth every cent. All right, Mike. You, you you pay that price for greatness, Joe. You got to pay the price. You do pay the price. You ready for this one? This is a big one. This is a doozy of a question. Maybe the biggest question we've gotten to this point. Agent Smith two one two, would you trade Matt Zuccarello to the Islanders if it meant the best return? Yeah, done. I would too. I don't, I wouldn't even think about it. And and here's the thing. And I know this is probably a controversial take. When the Rangers traded with the Devils last year, I think people were absolutely up in arms that you would trade with a division rival. How could you trade with a division rival? What, like, what are you thinking? And the reality of the situation is you take the best deal you can get. Michael Grabner lasted on the Devils for however many games after the trade deadline and for how many ever many playoff games he wasn't a healthy scratch for. And the New York Rangers got a second-round pick that I believe they used to turn into um, Keandre Miller. Mm-hmm. and Igor Rykov out of it. And yep. those are the types of deals you make. If Zuccarello wins the cup with the Islanders, would it suck? Absolutely. You just have to make sure that the deal is exactly what you need it to be. 
But would it suck? Because how? One well, number one, how likely is it to happen? And number two, probably not that likely. It, it's it that doesn't take away from what the Rangers are trying to do in a rebuild. It, like maybe the Islanders are able to re-sign Zuccarello, but do you know what the Islanders' situation is? They have to re-sign everybody. It's bad. You cannot. You under about. yeah. Under no circumstances can you look at it and say. Trade them to the Penguins. Tra- wherever you get the best. Deal, right. Wherever you get the best return, yeah. that's what you do. Period. End of story. There's no. Either there rental. should be right. There should be zero issues with doing something like that. It's not going to make Zuccarello not. jersey any less special. Really. Michael Silvers. If you could ask David Quinn five questions about the team, what would they be? That's I'll let's. Question. You want to do one for one. I like Michael. Michael Silvers is my MVP. Michael Silvers is he's a he's a, our spirit animal. Um, here's let's, he, let's do I'll, ping pong. You do one, I do one. Yeah, we'll we'll get to five that way. I guess yeah. my so then a reporter last week asked the question. They were like, you know, what do you think about Buchnevich scoring two goals? And then he was like, well, why is he on the fourth line? And it was amazing to see a the look on Quinn's face and be like. You know, those are the, those are important questions. Like they're critical questions to the thought process of the New York Rangers, and it, it, I don't know why Vigneault got away with five or six years of a lack of those types of questions. But it forces self assessment. So here would be my first question: mm-hmm. What is Lind- Lindy Ruff's role on this team, and do you foresee that changing anytime soon? It's a good question. I, I like think that. it's a great question. A, because I asked it, but also B, because yeah. that, like, right now, if you look at the New York Rangers, I think that is the most pressing question. All right, so that's question number one. Go ahead, Mike, you go. Uh, would he consider the development of the team's young players to be a success thus far? Ooh, question number two. An easy answer to get around, but nonetheless. My question number three, mm. why is Tony D'Angelo not playing every night? And I don't want coach speak, Quinny. I want an actual, what is the reason? Is it behind the scenes? Do you really think that he's not playing well? And if you do think he's not playing well, can you point out what he's not doing that other defensemen are doing? Uh, my question would be, how do you define accountability? And how do you measure what like a, an adequate like wake up call is or rattling a guy's cage like if a, a terrible penalty what is that what is your sense of justice for that is that sitting him on the bench for the rest of the period or is that you're scratched because you made one mistake because i i've been fat like to me it boils down to i almost asked uh, kevin shattenkirk this question like it feels like the the buzzword for david quinn is is this term accountability like uh, heading into his tenure as a ranger Rangers coach, it was development is what we heard a bunch of. And now I feel like we're, we're looking at him as a guy who has this idea of accountability and how it's supposed to be um, unbiased and touches everyone. Um, and, you know, it goes beyond stall to me. It, it, I'm really interested in what he sees as like a, a fair like response to a poor play like is like does a does a rookie need to be woken up more than a veteran uh, after making a bad play because that would make sense but like why is it that we see brennan smith get the treatment he gets um whereas mark Stahl gets the treatment he gets so, you know why do we why is cody mcleod given so many kicks at the can when we all know what he is he's 34 years old for god's sakes yeah okay question five you made me get three questions but that's fine um 
I guess it would be more along the lines of like, what statistics do you use internally that we would consider advanced statistics? Well, that's a better question than my question. Um, because I want to know like, what's the value of Cody McLeod, right? Like, what do you see the value in? Is it purely an intangible thing when you put him with Howden or um, Heedle or Buchnevich? Like, what are your expectations from a, a stat standpoint? Because obviously he's going to drag the ship down. And uh, I'm j- listen. We always Vigneault talked about the sophisticated stats package, which was literally like go outside, piss on the ground, and then step in it, and that's the sophisticated stats package. <laughs> that's what it is. It's just your foot is in pee, and maybe there's a little bit of dog poo on there as well. Um, Quinn seems to, from everything we heard from Jake Reiser and just a few of the things that we've seen seems to believe in analytics, maybe not as much as we would like, but certainly has taken them into account in certain situations. And it, it has made a logical progression of sense. Like I think he was talking about, maybe it was Heedle actually like not in the beginning of the year, he wasn't producing, but he was generating chances. And like, yeah, well, that's Joey, something you can, that we've you wanted can believe, to see. You can believe in science, but if you don't get the flu shot, you're still going to get a flu. Right. It's you, you got to implement the science. That's a good point, Michael. That's a great point. Excellent. Daniel Green, with the Rangers due to get one of Tampa's first or second round picks, and Tampa presumably looking to add at the deadline, does this give the Rangers any competitive advantage over Tampa? Um, not really, because the only way that you can, like, he also says, um, are there any Rangers players Tampa may want in order to lock in the first-round pick? Maybe Zuccarello, uh, but I don't think so. I, I think you don't get a competitive advantage because Tampa Tampa winning the Cup, they'll obviously trade the Cup for the first-round pick in a heartbeat. Um, but you're not like Tampa. You kind of liquidated their farm, at least the farm that they were willing to get rid of. There, there's no real advantage there. unless. And why is Tampa going to trade you know, a member of their team right now to do anything in that regard. You know what I mean? They're not, they're looking to trade, you know, I don't know. I I don't see Tampa as as a trading partner at this point. No, nor do I. And the other question is like, you know, we know what the, the, the stats are behind the likelihood that they're going to win a cup. They're a great team. They, there's very little they need to upgrade on their team. Um, and even though we've been a trading partner with them before and they're very very familiar with Rangers assets and there's the edge of, you know, we've done we've done business with them. They have a lot of players who have chemistry and familiarity with players on the Rangers roster now. I don't know, like you said, Joe, we've already kinda we've already kinda gotten a lot of like the expendable parts of their prospect pool. Like a lot of their best young players are in the lineup making an impact now, like Braden Point, and he's no one's going to touch Braden Point right now. With you'd have a better chance of getting Kucherov at this point, probably. So um, I don't think it's it, I don't think it's terribly likely. It doesn't mean it's not going to happen, especially if you know Tampa just decides, you know, ironclad we want the cup. We're gonna we're gonna add someone like a Zuccarello because they do. You know, they sh- should still have some pieces, but it's are they the right pieces? It's hard to say. And of course, yeah, you, don't, you don't have to be the best interest for, for the. For the Lightning to win the Cup this year. Uh, final question. Eric Carlson. It's not really going to be one we can answer, but I'm going to read it out anyway. Okay. CTE is more and more of an important issue in the NFL. Considering the physicality of hockey, there is some obvious crossover. Do you see the topic of CTE changing the NHL? So we're going to talk a little bit about that with Dan Carcillo. Um, we're also, like, I think it's very important to note that Mike and I are not doctors, 
And I think both of us would agree that there is an obvious link to the physicality of hockey and CTE, but we are not doctors. Gary Bettman would tell you there is no link. I think there's a slew of doctors who would tell you that there are. So to the question we can answer, do you see the topic of CTE changing the NHL? Yeah, I I think it will. I I think football is a little bit different because it's consistent hits, right? Like you can't avoid, a lineman can't avoid the headshots. It just comes with the nature of the game. Um, In hockey, I think the bigger issue isn't so much the headshots, although that is definitely something that's important. It's the the fighting. Um, No, it's it's not the fighting. You don't think it's the fighting? Well, can I make my point, Michael, before you jump in? Yeah, go ahead. My my main point is going to be on that regard, the players, and it really starts from like the junior level and up. So we're talking about 14 years years old and up, where players like a Derek Bugard, who only made the team because he was an enforcer, and guys who are getting into you know 50 or 60 fights a year because that's their only job. And you're taking those types of players, and to Mike's point, they're also players who are slower. So they're players who are throwing big, big hits, who are being enforcers, who are literally only playing the game because that's what they do. And there's been some thought process about eliminating fighting from juniors altogether. And we're talking about like the WHL and the OHL and, you know, the W or did I say the WHL, the Q uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, where these guys are going out there and that's just what their job is. Mm -hmm. And I would like to see that eliminated because you're not going to make the NHL that way anymore. But the flip side of that, and it's kind of to Mike's point as well. And it's something that football is going through. Like, it's impossible sometimes to make a clean tackle in the one second that you realize that the ball is going to be caught by the wide receiver and you're the guy to tackle him. Sometimes it's impossible to not smash a guy into the boards and, you know, accidentally have his head hit. But there also seems to be this tough guy mentality that needs to go away in the NHL, that if you're hurt, you're hurt. And I think there are certain players in the NHL that go far and beyond doing the wrong thing when it comes to headshots, and the player safety is gutless in a lot of regards. So my issue is I feel like we get in trouble when we say the problem is the fighting because we have to look at hockey as as a sport. We have to look at it in terms of physics, right? It's the fastest sport in the world. The fastest team sport, I should clarify. What we have is guys going at top speed, wearing body armor essentially and we know enough about concussions now and the bottom line is the science is still developing but if you get hit in the stomach you can have a concussion there's dan carcillo uh when i interviewed him for sb nation clarified that there's a tbi which is a traumatic brain injury every time and like in every game we have one and that's because there's body checks in every game uh you know there's there's collisions. There's pucks hitting the human body. It's Hockey is a dangerous, dangerous sport. So what can we do to address that is a huge question. It's something that a lot of people are trying to figure out, Dan included. And I look forward to talking to him about that on the show. But I think it would be criminal if what we're learning about CTE doesn't impact the game as we know it. Um, I know the football is working really, really hard uh, in terms of its... Uh, you know, public relations and it's, it's, you know, it's image to the public about 
what what they're trying to do to deal with concussions with new helmets with new technology with you know mouth guards that help prevent concussions and we're hearing a lot about that stuff but you know i watched both uh football games last night and every goal line play there's a running back diving head first into defenders who are diving head first to stop them i mean that's football hockey is you're even even if you have a bunch of guys who are squeaky clean, Tom Wilson and guys like him are nowhere near the ice surface, you're going to have collisions. There are going to be sticks hitting human heads. There are going to be pucks hitting human heads. I mean, it's a reality of the sport, and that doesn't mean that we should just say, oh, no, well, we should all expect it to happen. What we can do is ask important questions about the speed of the game. We can ask if the equipment is sometimes doing more harm than good because it's maybe too hard especially for things like shoulder pads and elbow pads. Like, do, we, do they need to be this dense plastic that can be turned into a weapon? I don't think they do. Um, we can look at things like why, why do we have players still without a visor um, in the NHL? Why do we... I mean, I, I want to make this clear. If you, you outlaw fighting in hockey, we're going to have a lot less serious injuries. Um, we have an ice surface. Below that ice surface, Joe, is concrete. When your helmet comes off in a fight in a bare-knuckle boxing match and your head hits that ice over a layer of concrete, it's a recipe for concussions. It's as bad as it gets. It's just not a good, especially if you get knocked out and you can't brace yourself. But there's going to be blindside hits. There's going to be all sorts of problems. Yeah, they're going to happen. So it's, the game is fast. Um, I just the, and That doesn't Mike's mean point. we shouldn't take every measure we can. Right. Um, it, and that's, listen, that's the bottom line. This is a terrible way to say Like Things are going to happen regardless, right? Like, you can't prevent everything, but they could do a hell of a lot better job of preventing. And we can do better educating players, and, we, and that's right. the big thing with the league is. And that's I know what Dan is very passionate about is we need people to understand how devastating concussions can be, um, what a concussion actually is, what it looks like, what it feels like, what treatment is available. The fact that we have guys get a concussion... Um, and come back in the game, and after the game, they say, you know what, he does have a concussion. You know, why do we have concussion spotters there? It just, it's, it's, bad. it's a bad, bad look. It's not safe. It's dangerous. We shouldn't rush guys who get hurt. We should understand that hockey is filled with injuries, and we need to be very, very responsible and diligent about how we react and educate players regarding head injuries and brain injury. It's It's a scary issue that's really putting a dark stain on the game we all love and there's a lot of work that needs to be done with it yep and it's only going to get worse the more you ignore it uh that is last question of the day thank you all for the questions remember you can send questions in using hashtag bantering points to myself or mr murphy um but put me on it because i kind of compile them together um the final thing that i want to say to everybody a thank you for the support welcome to the vox warm bath network um remember that if you are a patron Please put your mailing address in there uh, if you're $5 and up because we need to send you some swag. We'll figure it out soon. We'll figure it out soon. We'll figure it out. Mm, Bye. We love you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Off the Post. You rock.